1: Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie talks to her friend about Disney VIP tours. What can you expect? How much does it cost? And why might it be worth the splurge? Find episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash Deciphered where you'll receive bonus content. If you're planning a Disney vacation, you can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joe Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at ww.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show.
0: Hi, this is Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. Joe is taking the week off right now, but I have a very special guest today, a dear old friend from back in my law school days. Yancey Haas is joining us. She is not a blogger, not a vlogger, <laughs> just a regular <laughs> mom of two kids who are now getting into the, the teen stages. And Yancey, thank you so, so much for joining us today on Disney Deciphered.
1: Oh, I think it's the least I can do. I have creeped on your website and your blog for years and gotten lots of good information. So happy to provide some feedback on the VIP tour.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. The reason I had Yancey on. Yancey and I go back to Virginia, University of Virginia. Her husband and my husband were law school classmates. So this is like getting to be a trend, Yancey, of having former law school friends on our podcast. So this is great. Nice. We had uh, Chris Jones a couple of episodes ago. But why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your family right now and about your Disney World experience so we can sort of figure out where you went into this Disney VIP tour experience from? Sure.
1: Uh, We have two kids. I have a 14-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. And Finley, our daughter, has been to Disney. This was her fourth trip. We took her once before Graham was born. We took her once when Graham was too little to go, really. And then we took them both we had to look back and it was back in 2017 was our trip before this one. And we had a trip planned, a really amazing trip planned for April of 2020, which of course got canceled. We were really looking forward to that trip because Steve, my husband and Graham are both big time star Wars nuts. And so galaxy's edge had opened and that was going to be our big first experience with that So Graham had actually only been to Disney World once and he was about six when we went. And it was kind of interesting as we were planning this trip to realize how very little he remembered of it. He remembered some high points, but when we started talking kind of in detail about what he wanted to do. We really had to get back out like onto the computer and look up a bunch of stuff and show him a bunch of pictures so that he could kind of remember it and decide what he was interested in doing. Knowing that we had a 14-year-old who will ride anything and a 10-year-old who historically has been very reluctant to ride anything even close to thrill ride Central... We really didn't want to have to do a whole lot of, like, dividing and conquering. But I also, when I started doing a little bit more research about the new lightning lane stuff, it was really starting to look like it was going to be really hard to do two lightning lanes for Steve and Finley to do Space Mountain and then two lightning lanes for me and Graham to do the Barnstormer. So that's kind of what started me thinking. We had a friend who had done a VIP tour probably five years ago. And we had always kind of laughed about it. And as you, I'm sure know, there was a blackish episode. Did you ever, have you ever watched that episode about their family does the VIP tour? And it's really funny. And he's basically kind of just talking about like, I feel sort of bad because I'm not forcing my kids to stand in line. Like that's what Americana does. You stand in line to ride a ride. So we had kind of laughed about it, but when we started thinking about this trip and knowing that we also did the first two days, first three days of this trip, we did Universal. So it was a big Orlando extravaganza for us. So we really didn't have five days to spend in Disney And we knew the things that were really, really high priority for everybody was all the Star Wars stuff. Everybody wanted to ride Slinky Dog Dash. And it just started to seem like we were going to have to make choices about what we could and couldn't do given our time restraints and what I thought we were going to be able to get from a Lightning Lane perspective. So I asked the friend uh, that had done the VIP tour a bunch of questions about it, and she really said nothing negative. I mean, yes, it's expensive. That's the negative. But it really allowed us to plan the trip in a very different and kind of less frenetic sort of way. All of that to say, we ended up only spending two days. We only paid for two days of park tickets for this trip. And on those two days, we were able to accomplish every single ride we wanted to ride. The only thing we did not ride was test track, and that's because it rained. It wasn't because we didn't have time for it. The day that we did the private tour, as a group of eight people, we did twenty two rides and three parks. Wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. So so you kind of came into this trip. I mean the reason you considered the VIP tour was it had been several years since you've been to Disney. You had a very short period of time, a, a lot that you wanted to accomplish in a group. I mean, this is an interesting perspective, a group that actually wanted to do different things, which some people sort of say maybe is could be a negative on the VIP tour. So we'll we'll get into that. So that, that, that makes sense. And you were able to accomplish a ton in a really short period of time. So I know you guys split this VIP tour with another family. Tell me how you came to that decision and how you decided whether this was Going to be a good match, uh, in all of that, because then you add in more
1: interests to the mix, right? That is an interesting perspective. We actually have we have some friends here in Virginia. We were talking to about taking this trip, and the reason we are friends with them is because we have kids the exact same age as their two kids, and so that felt like a very oh this we might this might be a fun way for us to do this we would have generally lined up interest and it would obviously be a huge cost savings. That family, the daughter, ended up joining a travel sports team and they weren't able to do spring break of any kind this year. I mean, I think they took a long weekend trip to Virginia Beach, which is an hour and a half from us. So once that family, it looked like they weren't going to be able to do it, then Steve and I really had to put our heads together and say, like, are we comfortable paying for this just alone. And at that point, our answer was no, we weren't willing to do that. And it just so happens I have a good friend from college who lives in Tennessee, but is a self-described Disney nut and is happy to go on any given trip. Uh, so I called her up and said, hey, this is a long shot. Any chance you and your husband and two daughters would want to go to Disney and split a VIP tour? And she said, absolutely. We're in. We'll come for a day. Wow. And they actually flew in. It wasn't even their spring break. It was right before their spring break. So they flew in the night before, did the private tour with us that day, and then they flew home the next afternoon. So there's oh obviously, I know, there's obviously nut. I love a <laughs> level of Disney nut that, that made it perfect for us. And then it also was a nice blend. And to your point about people doing different things, their daughters are 17 and 13. So a little older than ours and then in between hours. And what I thought was interesting about how the day kind of shaped up, because you're not, quote, wasting time in lines, we didn't have any trouble for instance, when it was time to ride Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster, we had multiple people that didn't do, some people didn't do either of those rides, some people did one, some people did both. But because nobody was standing in some very long line, those people just split off and either use it as a bathroom break or a snack break or got a Coke or whatever. So there wasn't the, the wasted time that you would have You know, and that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was thinking about planning for our family. If Graham doesn't want to ride Space Mountain, I cannot ask him to either stand in a line that's an hour long or weirdly kind of like just waste time or or fill in time doing other stuff with me while sister and dad are standing in that line for that, for that kind of time. Amy and I really hadn't thought that through until we got there and realized like, okay, well, we're just walking onto the rock and roller coaster and I don't want to ride that. But that's fine. I don't care because you guys are going to be done in five minutes. So it doesn't really matter. So that ended up being sort of a pleasant surprise.
0: Got it. Well, before we get too into the weeds, I want to just go really quickly over the logistics and the rules of, of the VIP tours. And, and there are actually a lot of tours that Disney offers that sort of, I guess, are called VIP tours. But what you did was the private VIP tour, which is like you customize your group, you customize your day, you do whatever you want. There's not some sort of preset it- itinerary. So how many people can these? tours include? You had eight, but you can go up to 10. Is that right?
1: You can go up to 10. Correct.
0: And nothing is included. I mean, you still have to buy park tickets. You still have to make your own park
1: reservations. Is that right? You do. You still have to buy your park tickets and you still have to make your park reservations. And if you're going to park hop, of course you have to buy park hopper tickets. Right now, at least, you know, Disney is still not allowing people to park hop until 2 p.m. With our tour, we weren't subject to that rule. So we were able to hop earlier than that
0: that's interesting that's good to know so vip tours open for booking these days 60 days in advance were you on it at the 60 day mark i mean practically speaking
1: I think it's one of the things that used to open at the 180 day mark, like the dining used to, but I I don't know that they'll ever bring it back to the 180. And it was interesting. I booked, I jumped on it the 60 days out because I was kind of afraid, you know, we went for spring break or East coast spring break. So I was worried that it might be kind of busy. So I would have two comments on that. One is I know that it's a psychological phenomenon that once you know of something, you notice it more. However, I will tell you that between the day that, the day that we were in the parks without our private tour and then the day we were there on our private tour, as a group, we saw no fewer than 10 other private tours. And they were different private tours, like we saw different families at different times. When I asked our tour guide the the day we did it, I said, are people doing this? Are people scheduling this more? Or are there fewer of you doing it? And she said yes and yes to both. So I would say that when I called and booked for the 60 days out, that was fine. I didn't have any trouble. I did have a little bit of trouble, like everybody has been having the issues getting through to Disney. There is some, There was some hold time issue, and I kind of just had to wait that out. I scheduled our tour, and then a couple of times within that 60-day window, I had to call back to either... Finalize meetup time or where we were going to meet, which park we were going to start at and whatever. On both of those calls, they have a pre-recorded line while you're on hold. And when I called, so our spring break was the first week in March. When I called probably like March the first or second to finalize our details, the pre-recorded message said, we are sold out for private tours for March and April and we have very few dates available in may there are more people doing it and the availability is i think harder to come by
0: yeah i think that's right i mean it used to be that the people that you saw with plaids in the parks were usually celebrities usually when you saw a plaid you were like looking for who the celebrity was that they were guiding along and and now it's much more regular people i mean regular people obviously on a big splurge but you know it's not just kardashians anymore so that's uh <laughs> what Definitely. what brought you to it i guess <laughs> All right. Well, one more rule before we get into the, the blow by blow of your day. There's a 48 hour cancellation rule or otherwise you pay a two hour penalty. So that seems pretty generous to me. This seems like one of the many things with, with Disney, like book early and then cancel if it doesn't work out, right?
1: Totally. And there was, but in the world of COVID, a week and a half before our trip, one of the daughters of our friend got COVID. And so I had, I had to, you know, check back on the cancellation policy because if the rest of the family started falling to COVID, we were going to have to regroup. The other rule I would tell you or remind you of is that when you sign up to do it, you are obligated for seven hours. That is the minimum for the tour, but you can go up to 10. And just from a pure logistical standpoint, they don't actually ask you to decide. When you book, you book it for seven. And then like when we met our tour guide that day, she first thing after we introduced ourselves, she said, so just so we're planning, are we thinking we're sticking to seven? Are we okay stretching over? What's your plan? And we as a group of four adults had talked about it. And again, is it a splurge? Yes. But if you're already there and you're already splurging, we as a group had decided we're not going to cut it off at seven hours if we're not done with what we want to get done.
0: Got it. All right. Well, let's dive into your to your day. So you mentioned uh, your tour guide. Where did you meet the tour guide? Like, is this something that picks up at your hotel or at the park, or you can choose?
1: You can choose. I would not consider myself a huge Disney expert, but we've been enough that I I know enough about where we wanted to be and and where things were. And again, my friend Amy is kind of a Disney fanatic, so. We had talked through, I think there probably is maybe some advantage in terms of not standing in line as long to get into the park if your tour guide meets you, say, at your resort or your hotel. We didn't do that because our generally kind of our attitude for this trip was we're spending a lot of money by the hour, so we're not going to use that hour for things that we could otherwise do on our own. Like my family of four, since we were there the day before, We used that day before to do rides like it's a small world on our own, because that's like a 12 minute ride. And that's a lot of time to use up when you're paying by the hour. We used that day to do things like the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin ride. So Things that weren't super high priority or would have otherwise kind of been just sort of a time suck. So we all just met there. In every park, they have two specific meetup locations. So we chose to start our day in Hollywood Studios. Our two choices were Oscar's fill-in station where you pick up strollers and wheelchairs, or there was one other spot that was further into the park. So those were our two choices. We set our time and everybody just arrives at the same time, and you look for your plaid-shirted person.
0: So what time did you start the morning?
1: The park opened for resort guests the day we were there at 8.30. We started our morning at 8.45, partially because the friends that were coming in had a late night before. And then once we started thinking about when we wanted to get started, it's contrary to all of our ideas. It doesn't really matter what time you start. You don't have to rope drop because you're not rushing to a particular ride so we didn't start until 8:45 because we figured that would get us if we did the full 10 hours that would finish us up in magic kingdom in time to watch the fireworks but not with an odd amount of time to just kind of loiter around we started in hollywood studios because those were our really biggest priorities everybody wanted to do star wars and we had enough research amongst us to know that Rise of the Resistance goes down periodically. And we wanted to kind of jump on it and be like, if it's open, we're riding it. Like we want to get right there and get over there and do it. So we started at Hollywood. We then hopped over to Epcot and then we finished the day at Magic Kingdom.
0: Oh, wow. Three parks in one day. Wow. Three parks in one day. All right. Well, let's start with Hollywood Studios, and I want to talk to you just sort of about like the mechanics of how this works as we go through the day. So, did you go straight to, to Rise of the Resistance? Was that your first
1: ride? Or so we met our tour guide, whose name was Haley, and she's lovely. She work has worked for Disney for seventeen years and has been a tour guide for eight. So when we met her, she said, "Okay, so what are you thinking? Seven hours or go longer?" And we essentially said to her. We're here. We're going hard for the whole day. Like we have a, we have a long list and we want to get through it. And she said, okay, I love it. I'll give you feedback as we go. If I think we're getting too hung up, if I think we're getting, if we're slowing down too much or too little or whatever. We really want to do all the Star Wars stuff. And I said, And we know the rise of the resistance. And she said, it goes down, but it's up right now. So let's go. So we went straight to rise of the resistance (laughs) and, and rode that. Then we moved right around the area. We did the smugglers run twice Oh, let me interject here for just one second. Back to the whole idea of, like, I don't want to pay a tour guide an hourly rate for something that we could be doing on our own. Once we decided to do the private tour, knowing that none of us had seen Galaxy's Edge or the new Toy Toy Story Land, we decided to spend the evening of our unguided tour day in Hollywood studios so that we could just wander around and see Galaxy's Edge and kind of experience it all, see the droid depot, see all of the different theming and stuff like that. So we weren't rushing through without kind of getting to experience the whole thing. Similar with Toy Story land. So once we started with the tour guide, I would not say that it was a frenetic pace. I mean, I would say my 10 year old had no trouble keeping up with all of it, but there was not a lot of oh, look at that cool droid. Look at that cool X-wing that's over there in the corner that's beeping. Um, there was not a whole lot of that. So we rode Rise of the Resistance Rise of the Resistance is the only ride or experience in all of Walt Disney World that your private tour guide cannot take you on twice. You can only do Rise of the Resistance once. So we did that one. Then we did um, Smuggler's Run twice. Then we went over and rode Slinky Dog once. We did Toy Story Mania. We did the Spinning Saucers We went back and did Slinky Dog again. Just from a logistics standpoint, because I had wondered about this, in terms of how the tour guide gets you onto the ride, and she explained this to us at the beginning of the day, essentially what she's doing is walking you into the lightning lane. Now, for us, we never got into a lightning lane where we had to wait some exorbitant amount of time. I'm not really sure if we'd been in a lightning lane and the lightning lane uh, wait had been 20 minutes. I'm not sure if she would have then walked us to the front of that we just didn't have that come up. And maybe that just Not means it. they're doing a good job managing Lightning Lane. What I did kind of figure out about halfway through the morning is once Haley walked us through and got us into the ride, it finally dawned on me that, wow, we've gotten to ride in the front row of every single ride. What luck. Or, oh, wow, we all got to pick exactly what job we wanted to do on smugglers run. And oh, then we rode it a second time. So everyone could do both jobs. So I would say probably every ride we rode throughout the day, we had the front row or the best seat or whatever it might be. Like when we, I remember when we got to Soren in Epcot, she had a specific cart that she wanted us to sit in cuz she was like oh the the distortion is lower if you sit in this particular seat as opposed to if you're in cart number 5. I did kind of worry about this. I did not want my kids to have this feeling of like we are literally stepping on other people's toes to get to the front of a line and walk onto it. It didn't have that feeling to me. It just had the feeling of whatever Haley has on her work iPhone. She scans at the lightning lane and it turns green, and all we all off we all go. <laughs> so it's it's much more of just a lightning lane situation than it is a everybody's waiting in line, and your whole group of eight is just cutting in front of everybody.
0: Now, do you think you're getting the best seat, the front row, the things like that, because she's a cast members are spotting that she's with you? yes So is there some so. some sort of a yeah Jedi mind trick that's yes. going on there <laughs> that is sort of invisible to you, but that's definitely what's happening. Correct. Okay.
1: Because okay. <laughs> the second time we rode Slinky Dog and another pair of our party was in the front row I was like huh that seems what are the chances of that and then the next ride we rode the same thing happened and I was like okay the chances of that are none they're doing that like we're getting that benefit because of because we're standing here with the tour guide so and is she coming on the rides with you or is she getting you to the point okay sometimes no um because we had a group of eight we were generally even on a lot of different rides but there you know there's always a few random rides where you know you sit four across like she rode the Remy ride in Epcot for whatever reason because of the way the the carts kind of lined up she was happy to ride she was sometimes she just walked through the ride and then met us at the end she didn't ride Slinky Dog because she stood at the at a particular place and told us to look over at that point in the ride and she videoed us and then she texted us the video of it. So Got it. she did some of that kind of stuff too, as well.
0: Well, let's talk about I guess I'm curious about how food worked. I mean, you guys were on Joe, Joe and I used the term force march of happiness. This is like the ultimate force march of happiness. <laughs> so you don't want to waste time eating. How did you do meals? Were there snacks involved? Give us
1: a scoop. I totally agree. I mean, this is like, we are not paying to sit here and eat a bad cheeseburger so that we can waste our time. The mobile ordering at Disney, and I know that's not like new to everybody. It was new to us though. The mobile ordering made it a lot easier for us to do that. We kind of had all agreed. We had sort of a big breakfast before we got there. We finished Galaxy's Edge. We did Toy Story Land. On our way, we stopped and did the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Train Ride Then we kind of ended up in the corner over there next to Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror. Those were two rides that not everybody wanted to do. So before the group members that wanted to ride Tower of Terror went to get on the ride, we all agreed, okay, it's time for us to do our mobile order for lunch. Let's put the order in so that it'll be ready when everybody's done riding. And then we picked it up quickly. And for the most part, we ate, not on the run, but we ate, we only sat down for probably like five or 10 minutes. Like somebody in the group got pork tacos. And I remember we all kind of laughed and were like, well, that's not friendly for walking. I mean, that's not, that's going to slow us down. (laughs) (laughs) Like you couldn't have gotten the burger. (laughs) So, um, So we quickly ate. And what is also interesting just from a logistics standpoint is there are all these different exit points in the parks that none of us ever see because we don't see them. When we left Hollywood Studios, we left from somewhere behind the rock and roller coaster. I couldn't, I could I, there's no way I could find it again or tell you where it was, but that we went behind there And got into a special Mickey van and she drove us from there to Epcot. So there is, she does give a little speech about before you go behind the curtain, if you will, and say that you're not allowed to video anything or take pictures or record anything that you see behind the scenes. But to be honest, I, we didn't see anything that looked that interesting to me. We saw, (laughs) we we saw the the back of a lot of rides and a lot of people doing deliveries and stuff like that.
0: Right, right. This is just efficiency to get you into a vehicle as fast as possible and onto your next park. Let's move on to Epcot then. So you, so what was sort of, so a van
1: driven by your tour guide and is it just waiting there Someone delivered the, t- the Someone van. delivered the van. Someone okay. delivered the van. I don't know who that magical Disney person was, but they delivered the van and we got in it and Haley drove us again, into some back way of Epcot. We had told her at the beginning of the day that we wanted to do Sorin. We wanted to do Test Track. We wanted to do the new Remy ride. Somebody in the group wanted to do the Frozen ride. So essentially our plan was to start at Soren and then kind of go around the world that way. So all of us laughed. Wherever she parked in, at Epcot, we got out of the van, <laughs> We went into some building, opened the door, and when we walked in, all of us were like, where are we? And we were literally in the theater of Soren. It was right, the entrance to the ride was right next to us. So we were, we, you know, we were like, oh, well, here we are. We're right here in the midst of it. So we did that. That's again where I saw where the, where she actually acknowledged that like she had us waiting on a particular cart because she thinks the ride is better if you ride it in this one than if you ride it in you know, a different one. At that point, we had a bit of an unfortunate rain. Not, It was not a rain delay, but it started to rain on us. So we kind of had to take a minute and like poncho up and keep the train going. We rode the Remy ride, which if you have not ridden, it was super cute and fun. If I stood in line for 150 minutes to ride that ride, I would be sad, sad and tired. I mean, it's a fun ride and it's cute, but it's pretty short and it's not life-changing. And the lines for that ride are just unbelievable right now. So that was a fun one. It's on this. it's got the same feel as like the Rise of the Resistance. There's no track to it. So you're just sliding along the floor as a mouse. So that was cute. They closed test track at that point. And you know, that's also where Haley gave us a little bit of I think experience value, cause we, she, you know, we were talking about it and she said, okay, well, we can wait here and see. It had stopped raining. And she said, we can stop and see if they're going to open test track up again. But historically, she said that is one of the slower ones to reopen. For instance, when you compare that to like, how long is splash mountain going to be down or how long is big thunder mountain going to be down? Those are going to be shorter closures than test track. So, we decided, you know, we we thought, okay, well, let's make our way. And whoever wanted to ride Frozen, we rode Frozen. And then by that point, we were kind of coming around. It still wasn't open, and we just decided to bail on it at that point and head on over to Magic Kingdom. And she was doing a good job at that point of kind of tracking what was opening back up at the time because the things that we had prioritized at Magic Kingdom were all of the mountains, the mine train. For nostalgia's sake, we rode Winnie the Pooh and Peter Pan. We rode the Jungle Cruise and the Haunted Mansion. So again, those are things that I don't know. And partially, I don't know it because once we decided to do this private tour, I didn't invest the energy into figuring out Lightning Lane in the same way that I would have if I had, if I'd had to. But My walk away feeling about Lightning Lane, having managed it just on my own for one day, was it worked just fine for us for a day. But the reason it worked just fine is because I wasn't trying to get any of the headliner rides because I knew we were going to do those the next day. So I was able to pick up random Barnstormer here, Dumbo here. We got a Winnie the Pooh one randomly. So we just had a lot more flexibility with how those things would work out. The the other thing we did was since we, that first day when we weren't with the tour guide, we knew we were park hopping to Hollywood Studios later in the day. I was able to get us a Toy Story Mania lightning lane, but... You know, I also think from a park hopping standpoint, if you're trying to grab a lightning lane, that's really hard too, because so many of those things book up earlier in the day. And if you're not going until later, you're basically tying your lightning lane up for a park that you're not even in yet. So yeah. that I think is tricky. Uh, so lightning lane worked fine for us, but it was only because I wasn't trying to get Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, Mine Train, you know, any of those.
0: You were there during a high crowd time. There would be no way you would get that number of headliners in a single day. I mean, it's often, especially like in Hollywood Studios, we've talked about It's maybe you get three for the entire day and you guys were doing three or more in every park, in three parks. So there was no way to replicate that on even a medium crowd day with, with lightning lane. So, so it sounds like you figured, you figured it out enough, Yancy, to, <laughs> to know where, how it wouldn't have worked for you.
1: No, I mean, it, it was interesting. And it, you know, I still use and still follow the, the touring plans, people just from a crowd monitoring standpoint, the first day that we were there without the tour guide, Magic Kingdom was a 10 and Hollywood Studios was a nine. Yikes. And the day that we were there and had the tour guide The overall crowd level was a nine. It was as bad as it gets. That was as bad as it gets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: we're talking too much. Um, We always try to keep these episodes somewhat short and fail miserably. So I'm glad you're continuing that tradition. But any other, before we get into sort of the cost and the value, any other just sort of cool things that stood out to you? It sounds like your guide was a winner. Any secrets that you guys, you know, got to pick up on that a Disney nut would have been happy about to sort of add to the value? It.
1: she gave us lots of little tidbits and tricks and interesting stories along the way so that alone is is a whole different level of experience and she actually told us she has a family that books her every single year like they're repeat customers and every year they expect her it's become their running joke that they expect her to bring three facts about disney about the parks that they that she's never told them before
0: Oh well, the pressure's on for that. <laughs> if she's getting selected time and time again by the same family, she, you definitely got a got a winner, so that's good to know. All right, well let's talk about the big elephant in the room and that is the cost of this and I did happen to look this up before you and I talked and the the prices have actually gone up even more in the last couple of months. Yeah, it's looking like it's 425 at a minimum an hour up to 850 an Whoa. hour. So, if, are you comfortable telling me what you guys paid for your tour? We paid
1: 525 an hour. And one okay. thing I will say is they they are not very forthcoming about when those numbers change. So I don't know again we were there for spring break but we were there for what I would consider a very early version of spring break even here on the east coast most of the spring breaks are tied to Easter week or they're at least you know further away so I I mean I guess we if the crowd numbers are any indication and it was a 10 I guess we were there during a busy season but but we certainly weren't there I don't know when that number goes up to to 8 it must be in July and August or, or whatever. Maybe cri- but,
0: Christmas Day and something Christmas, like that. Yeah. yeah. So something like th- that. They're
1: not very uh, forthcoming about when, because when I called originally to ask just a few questions about it before we even started the booking process, I'd said, how do you know when the prices change or what it is for your particular trip? And well, they gave me the, de- the rate for our trip and that's it. <laughs>
0: got it so you you tell them your dates and they tell you what it will cost correct so 525 an hour you guys did all 10 hours right we did all
1: 10 hours yes okay
0: so but- so that's 2625 per family is what you're what you're looking at when you're splitting it
1: Twenty five twenty six hundred 2600 a family and then the other thing that I that I did not have a lot of clarity going into it for was everything from no tip to 20% tip. When I Googled it to see how much are people tipping the tour guide, and she was fantastic, right? I mean, there's nothing we would have changed about our experience with her. We settled on, for, for our group, what we ended up tipping, and we had seen this a little bit online, was we tipped her $100 a person. So it was another $800. And from a percentage standpoint, like that kind of ends up being what I would consider a normal sort of tip amount. But I think that's also something to factor in too. Because I, I would be hard pressed. I cannot imagine that anyone would ha- do this experience and not think that their tour guide was fantastic. I think that you only get to be a private VIP tour if you are in fact really good at what you do. <laughs>
0: So all in that's looking, you're right about $3,000 for your day. We've joked a lot about what the Galactic Star Cruiser costs and, and
1: this is more. So <laughs> it is more. And I would tell you, and I've said this, I had this conversation with some friends this week. I, I am in no way arguing that it is not a splurge or that it is not a lot of money. What I do think is kind of interesting is once we decided to do this, I cut back our park tickets. So we only had two days of park tickets. And as a result, we actually cut a night off of our stay at the resort because we just didn't need it. So not to say that either of those two things would certainly pay for the entire cost of the VIP tour, but it did, in fact, shorten our trip. And, you know, every day that you shorten a trip at Disney has a decent amount of cost savings built into it. So
0: it sounds like all, all in. You were happy with it. You thought it was worth it, sort of knowingly as the splurge. Is that fair?
1: That is fair. And okay. And Steve, my husband, we joke that he is one of the cheapest men in America for sure. And I can vouch for that. Yeah. Probably <laughs> two hours into the day, he said, "I would do this again in a heartbeat with a friend, with okay. another family." He he Got said, it. "This is such an efficient." Easy way to do this and accomplish everything you want to do.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'm going to tell my husband to start saving <laughs> his money for our trip, <laughs> especially if you, if once you do it, you have to do it again, right? Yes. This, this starts adding up your Disney cost very, well, you know, yeah, you save money on the hotel and the ticket, but now you're going to do the VIP tour a second time. So, um, correct, you know, <laughs> so is there anybody that you, I mean, your your kids are older, they're able to do that forced march of happiness to really get through a lot of stuff and and go for 10 hours strong. Is there anybody you think it wouldn't be the same kind of value for? I mean, I assume people with littler kids, naps, things like that.
1: We were talking about it. If you really can't kind of stick with it and go kind of hard for at least the seven hours, it's probably not a good use of your time. But, you know, if you're in that category, you probably are off also... You know, you're spending your time trying to get Winnie the Pooh and Peter Pan and probably not a lot of the other headliner rides. So, again, for that, you might be able to manage what you're trying to get done with just the lightning lane in a couple of days. And then we actually talked about it, too. I think the other thing that would be very cool about it is as kids get older and go to Disney World, like let's say Steve and I were talking about it and saying I could a 100% see this being something fun to do with 15, 16, something year olds, if, if your child had a, a group of friends. So, you know, instead, like, okay, so, so there's one parent that's going to kind of be the chaperone of the group. But if you got, you know, six or seven friends that you were splitting the cost with, whose parents were willing to pay up for that, it would definitely, that would also, I, I thought that would be a fun group too, you know, if you were able to, to try to get, an older set, like if you had a 17 year old that you thought was kind of aging out of Disney or, or didn't want to spend a bunch of time waiting for stuff or waiting for younger siblings or something like that.
0: Yeah. It could be a really, a cool graduation gift or something like that.
1: It would be a cool, like a a senior year spring break or, you know, something like that. That's kind of what we were thinking. So got it. Well,
0: uh, glad to hear all the details on the scoop. I've always looked at these VIP tours with envy and have thought about actually doing it one at Disneyland with a group of, you know, fellow bloggers and Disney nuts and stuff like that. So maybe one day I'm glad to get the, the excellent review. Mm -hmm. So, um, we close out these podcasts with a Disney do or don't, do you have a, a VIP or just general things you learned on your Disney trip do or don't for folks?
1: a VIP do I would say is definitely give the tour guide enough time to tell you interesting facts or interesting stories about the individual rides. I'll I'll give you I'll share one interesting tidbit we got in the Pirates of the Caribbean line as you're just queuing up to go in the line. One of the little scenes that you see is two skeletons and they are playing chess. That chessboard is at a stalemate ha 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 see <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a lot of it's the imagineers and the things that the jokes that they built into it and she right. was able to right. give us like quite a few of those and they're and that was very fun and entertaining if you do the vip tour even as you're rushing through to get to all of your rides and stuff make sure to factor in a little time just to have them tell you cool interesting disney trivia
0: wonderful well thank you so much antsy for talking to me and being on the podcast really appreciate it and look forward to hearing about your second vip tour
1: (laughs) definitely finley will have to be 25 before that i think